everyone, welcome to another edition of Monday Musings with RC, where I tell you a little bit about the things going on in the world, what's been on my mind, and I have great conversations with awesome people. So this evening, joining me is Kim L. Hunt. Welcome, Kim, to Monday Musings with RC. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for asking me to A little bit about you. <laughs> so Kim L. Hunt is the executive director of the Pride Action Tank, a project of the AIDS Foundation of Chicago, where she also serves as the senior director of policy and advocacy operations. Ms. Hunt's career spans the public, private, and nonprofit sectors with a focus on advocacy, community, and organizational development and leadership. She's the former executive director of Affinity Community Services, a social justice organization that works with and on behalf of the Black LGBTQ folk and queer youth. Welcome, Ms. Hunt. Welcome, welcome. So that I will not use the incorrect pronouns, just so you know, I go by she, her, and they. What are your pronouns? She, her, and hers. Okay. All right, now that we got that situated. So <laughs> I'm so happy that you're here today because I wanted to talk about how Black queer lives matter. So one of the things that's been on my mind of late is how I have spoken to so many people who are really um, gung-ho about the hashtag Black Lives Matter movement, but they are very hesitant. I'm just going to jump right in. They are very hesitant to include Black queer folk. And for me, that is problematic. So first things first, I do want to let everybody know we will be using some acronyms. And a lot of times people ask, what do those letters mean? There are too many letters in LGBTQIA. So I will let Kim go ahead and. Uh, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> yes, language, language matters. And we had more alphabet, um, but that's because we're trying to be as inclusive as possible. Right. Um, the L stands for lesbian, uh, which uh, sometimes is also, in, in many black communities, uh, same uh, basically means uh, uh, people who identify as women or femme uh, who are attracted to other women are, or femmes. For gay, same thing, but for male-identified. Uh, B is bisexual, um, so folks who may be attracted to multiple genders. Um, and T is for transgender, which is a huge umbrella term that um, can cover anything from, or, or I should say, folks who, whose um, gender assigned at birth doesn't necessarily assign with their gender identity. Um, so we hear of trans men, trans women, non-binary people. Um, so there's a whole, I would say there's a recognition that there's a continuum around gender. Uh, and, you know, uh, in Western society in particular, we're wedded to the gender binary, male and female. Um, but ancient folks and not so ancient, we're very clear that there are way more genders than that. Right, gender is <laughs> Those of us who are civilized uh, insist on putting folks in these very narrow boxes. So um, it's a recognition of that. Q, I've seen Q listed multiple ways. One is questioning folks who um, haven't um, 
necessarily settled on a particular sexual orientation or there may be some fluidity there or, or they just don't know um, which is probably the majority of folks uh, a Q is also stands for queer which uh, is a word that has some historical baggage to it and so you may see some generational differences around right, queer right. For sure. it's um, again this is a very expansive term and queer means different things to different people um, so I just leave it at queer <laughs> and let, <laughs> let a person who identifies as queer say what that means. Okay. Um, <laughs> fair, fair, fair. Yep. I is uh, intersex, which uh, refers to folks who may be born with um, multiple, uh, what we would uh, confer as um, uh, physical attributes of the, what, folks consider the two genders. Um, and there are actually a lot of people who fall in this category. And sometimes it's hormonal, sometimes it's physical, sometimes it uh, can be seen, sometimes it's not in terms of um, how a person is identified as intersex. Uh, and one uh, very challenging aspect for folks who are identified or are intersex is that sometimes the medical profession kind of pushes their parents to sign on a gender for them right. and it may not be the gender that that person identifies with and a lot of times there's just silence around that and so someone may be feeling um that the gender that's been assigned to them is not their gender and not know why because these decisions have been made when they were very very young and then a um it's typically asexual. Um, there are people who don't necessarily have se sexual attractions to other people, but that doesn't mean they don't have romantic feelings for, for other people. So quite a range there. Quite a range, indeed. And uh, that doesn't really describe <laughs> everybody. Uh, in, in medical, the medical profession sometimes refers to gender and sexual minorities, um, which is a term that I don't agree with because I think um, all of these these letters and this feelings of being outside of the binary and sexual orientation that is not heterosexual uh, but may be described multiple ways uh, does not describe a minority. It describes mm -hmm. uh, a lot of folks who have been pushed into boxes because of our historical um, pressure and patriarchy and all the things that we're going to talk about later. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> Thank you. I just want to start off by just giving people a baseline. So mm -hmm. <laughs> I know I jumped right in with that. But, thanks. Yeah, yeah, but it's good because, you know, some people hear the LGBTQIA is almost like a word for them. And exactly. They don't the yeah. Letters. Yeah. yeah. So for those of you just tuning in, um, this is Monday Musings with RC. I am RC, and today we have Kim Hunt, who is joining us on a conversation about how Black queer lives matter. And so to kick things off, we just um, kind of attempted to define the letters in the LGBTQIA phrase. Sure. <laughs> right? Okay. Um, so just to piggyback off of what you said, I know that um, the fact that gender is fluid for me is something that I think I've always embraced, but didn't really understood, understand what that meant. Mm -hmm. 
And so I identify as queer and I know um, people will often ask me, well, what does that mean? Like, why would you say queer? Why wouldn't you say gay or bi or, or even non-binary, but why queer? And for me, I, I choose to use the word queer to identify my sexual orientation because it's not just about my sexual orientation to me. Mm -hmm. it's, I, I think that how I think about the world is outside of the norm. Mm -hmm. I think that um, how I interact with other people is different. Yeah. Um, I think that how I process information is different. Who I'm attracted to is not based on the typical, just physical attraction. And so mm -hmm. when I personally say queer, I don't just mean it as an umbrella term for my sexual orientation. I mean, all those things together, because yeah. I can't tease out my sexual orientation from my blackness, from my womanness. I am oh, yeah. all those things simultaneously. Sure. Um, and so I think it's, it opens up the door for a great conversation whenever somebody comes to me and they're always hesitant when they say, why queer? Yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, I'm glad you asked. <laughs> well, these are not conversations we have, right? We mm -hmm. just don't. We right. make um, assumptions that I will say even within the LGBTQIA uh, community, we make assumptions about what right. what words mean for different right. people. Um, and as I said, you know, queer, for example, means different things to different people. So I just exactly don't even right. try to find that one. <laughs> right. <laughs> well, th that's that's good. I, I need to think about that. Yeah. So everybody doesn't think like me, right? That's why I say queer. So I shouldn't assume. Um, and then the other term that I wanted to define early on in this um, conversation is um, SOGI. I know in the medical field now they're using this term SOGI. So sexual orientation and gender identity. I actually yeah. wrote a one woman show about this and actually perform it um, at hospitals to medical students as well as um, oh, wow. kind of seasoned providers. And um, they are, always have tons of questions. And it's funny because I thought initially they would have answers, but they end up having more questions, which is great. Um, so just so people know, Soji, as you can see behind me or to my left, um, my solo show is called Soji Say What? It stands for Sexual Orientation and Gender Identity. So just to let people know the difference between the two. Um, so for sexual orientation, for instance, those of you who are tuning in more than likely know me and my sexual orientation, I identify as queer. So for me, that means that I'm attracted to women. I've dated plenty of men in my life. So I'm not like, oh my gosh, it's the worst thing in the world. But I actually <laughs> much rather prefer any day to date a woman. Um, and so I identify as queer. Um, and also I would not have a problem dating somebody who was trans. So I don't feel like I fit in the box of bisexual. Um, and yet I have serious issues with being put in a box with my gender. I hate the actual term gender. Um, and so I go by RC and I use the pronoun they. Now, my gender identity, though, even though I have an issue with this term gender, I do feel connected to the, the gender of female as it stands in the world today. I don't like how people treat females, but I do identify with being a woman, and I'm comfortable with that. Mm -hmm. yeah. 
So just to kind of give people who might need a frame of reference, because you might know me, that might help you put things into perspective, the difference between sexual orientation and gender identity. Um, so I'm going to back it up a little bit. Okay, so while people ponder on that, let's lighten it up. And I'd like to ask you, Kim, um, just tell us what you do every day and how you got there. Wow. Okay. So that's a great question. Um, so as, as you read, you know, I'm um, executive director of Pied Action Tank and uh, also um, senior director of policy and op advocacy operations under AIDS Foundation Chicago. And so that's a lot of different things. Pride Action Tank is a project incubator and think tank on LGBTQ issues uh, that has a super collaborative model around centering the voices of people who, we, who are impacted by the issues that we work on. Um, and also uh, that means that they are very much engaged in developing solutions that make their lives uh, uh, sometimes honestly more tolerable given what they've got going on, but uh, also longer term, you know, ch policy changes as well as uh, how resources are redeployed. So we've worked on everything from looking at the possibility of creating a tiny homes community for youth who are experiencing homelessness nice. to um, incubating uh, an organization that is now focused on um, multi-generational LGBTQ affirming housing uh, with a workforce development component to looking at how to address uh, housing insecurity and food, housing instability and food insecurity on college and university campuses. Oh, wow. Uh, uh, training uh, older adults to um, uh, be advocates in long-term care facilities, LGBTQ long, older adults in particular, uh, working with our partners like Equality Illinois to pass laws. Um, mm -hmm. uh, last session or 2019, one law that passed was to make all single stall restrooms, uh, all gender restrooms mm -hmm. instead of male and female. Right. That went, went into effect this past January. There's another law that we worked uh, with Equality Illinois on and others to uh, add um, sexual orientation and HIV status to um, the elder care uh, law in Illinois, which basically adds more protections for those groups. Nice. First um, state in the country to add HIV status, only the third to add LGBT. I was going to say that's wow. I didn't know yeah. that. Wow. Yeah. And it's a, it's a, a older, each state has an older adult uh, or an aging act that's tied to the federal aging act. And by okay. adding these groups in a, in a particular definition, it one acknowledges that they are there, which mm -hmm. is a big right. issue, especially in um, long-term care facilities. Um, but also because they are there uh, also encourages these facilities to have the proper training and add additional programming or right. make sure that the programming they have is more inclusive. Mm -hmm. um, and then last year, our, we do summits to, to get to the heart of these issues. And last year's summit was on LGBTQ systems involved youth. So looking at how LGBTQ youth or 
way overrepresented in child welfare, juvenile justice, and among youth who are what I would say victims of punitive school pushouts because there are there are biases in school policy right. that right. be directed towards uh, queer and trans youth. Um, and then you know, with my uh, uh, AIDS Foundation Chicago hat on, I have a a staff of folks who work on the administrative side of policy and advocacy, but also get very much involved in helping to change state laws around healthcare access, um, HIV prevention and resources and those kinds of things. So I do a lot of different stuff and it's right. all really Great been work. connected. <laughs> it's been connected throughout my life around how to bring resources to community, but also how to um, make sure that there's a place at the table for community mm -hmm. uh, and for these institutions and um, agencies to make sure that they are, are listening to people uh, and finding uh, ways to create tables for that to happen. So right. that's been consistent throughout my career. Okay. All right. <laughs> Thank you for that. Now, there are a couple of things that you mentioned there that um, I'm always mindful of the audience being able to follow with some of these conversations. So I want to make sure that people know some of the words that we may be using um, throughout this time. So one is affirming. Mm -hmm. um, and so um, having uh, agencies that are affirming and who acknowledge, well, I guess I'll let you define what affirming is and I'll give my well, you, you were going there. Right. Know, I'll, I'll let you define as a professional <laughs> in there. I'll just piggyback. Yeah. So I, I look at affirming as a way of saying yes to all the different uh, folks who may be uh, in, in an agency receiving services or whatever it may be. It's not being so wedded to these are the only types of people we see or having your policies uh, be um, sort of pigeonhole people into being a particular way or, or having a particular identity. It's right. really looking at the expansiveness of human beings, frankly, and finding ways to make sure that they can fully participate and that you as an agency or a person working for an agency has some humility um, so that you can see the person who's in front of you instead of creating a narrative for that person. See, I knew you would say that much better than I did. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. On that note, I will say that um, when we talk about being affirming, it's, all, it's in regards to like agencies, people or organizations creating policies, but also um, churches, for instance. It's a big mm -hmm. deal to me to be a part of an affirming church who recognizes mm -hmm. that I inhabit that space, that mm -hmm. I, as a Black queer woman, matter, that they create um, um, kind of programs for people like me and they meet my needs. So affirming is in every space. And then when I go to the doctor, for instance, I was seeing a therapist once and I called around and I was looking for an affirming um, counseling practice. And the moment they answered the phone and started talking to me, um, and I said, I wanted to make sure that there was someone there who kind of works with the LGBTQ community. And they didn't even ask me my pronouns. I have a problem with it. Yes. I, I have a 
problem. I was like, I don't truly believe you're affirming because yeah. I don't think that you, I think you're missing the mark if you think you are, because on your website, you had like a rainbow flag mm-hmm. and it's August and you were celebrating pride. Of course, you celebrate pride all year round. But I just feel like, yeah, no, you're missing yeah. the mark. And so I told the receptionist that. And she did not even know what I was saying when I was explaining <laughs> pronouns. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. So, you so know, I, that kills me when people all of a sudden don't know what a pronoun is. <laughs> right. <laughs> I didn't even think about that, right? <laughs> yes. We all learned this in right, school. Right, right, right. pronoun was in school. But when it comes to introducing yourself and giving your pronouns, like, huh? Right, 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 right. right. <laughs> but my thing was, how can I be... Um, confident that you have people yeah. who are working with this community if you don't even know that. And of course, her thing is, well, I am not the therapist, you know, they're trained and so on and so forth and I'm not, but yeah. that's the whole point of being an affirming organization. Yeah. That's, that's the part that you want to miss. the time you walk in the door. Exactly. Every exactly. staff person you encounter. Exactly. On the same page. They did not understand that. Well, the, the front desk did not understand that. And so, of course, I moved right along. So, <laughs> I get my services <laughs> elsewhere. And that's part of the issue. So, it becomes yeah. an issue of not getting what you need when you need it. And people don't realize that. Yeah. Pe- I, I know a lot of people feel like, oh, the queer community or LGBTQIA folks are making a big deal out of nothing. No. When you go that's somewhere, nothing. it it. It hurts my soul when yeah. people refuse to acknowledge me as RC. Mm-hmm. It pisses me off. Mm-hmm. And I'm not, I don't identify as transgender, but that's not the point. Right. I identify as RC. Yeah. <laughs> and that's so, enough. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Um, another word that you said was inclusive. So I think mm-hmm. that goes along with affirming, um, but being able to, and, and I like to talk about this, especially because um, for this show is really what I try to do is um, bring out voices of um, those who are marginalized, mm-hmm. not only those in the LGBTQIA community, but also, you know, black and brown people. Yeah. And so surely underrepresented minorities, racial minorities can understand the need to feel included in having services that are all inclusive. So Mm -hmm. one of the things that also burns me up is that black folks can't get why queer folk have an issue with inclusivity, but as a black person, you have an issue with inclusivity. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So that was one of the reasons that I reached out to you to uh, help me facilitate this conversation. So I wouldn't (laughs) just go on a rant on my own. (laughs) Now we can go on a rant together. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. So here's, this is my thing that I actually want to shout to people all the time. Folks are out there talking about hashtag BLM, Black Lives Matter. And there are people who are saying this, Black folks who are serious, hardcore uh, against police brutality, about um, equality, equity for Black people. And yet, they are frowning up and keeping um, queer folk. And, and, and just so everybody understands, when I use the term queer today, I'm talking about the, um, I'm using it as an umbrella terminology yeah. for LGBTQIA. Um, and so they will say, no, we're not, uh, Black Lives Matter doesn't have room for the queer agenda. Mm-hmm. And I've heard people say that. People have said that to me indirectly because they don't want to offend me because I identify as queer, but I know what they mean. Mm -hmm. And I find that very ironic because the 
um, young ladies who started the hashtag BLM movement, um, two of them are queer mm -hmm. people. And yeah. I, I want to let that sink in on these black folks watching today, okay? Because I'm about to get on my soapbox. So when you're out there marching in the streets, I'm marching with you. My son is marching with you. And you don't like the rainbow flag that's been up there. You don't like um, a trans man or a trans woman. Um, and you don't like them marching next to you. You feel uncomfortable because somebody has a crop top on and the nails and their eyelashes. And you feel like this isn't the place for that because that's what I hear. <laughs> this is a place for that. This isn't the place for that. There's always a place for that. <laughs> if there's a place for your blackness, there's a place for my queerness. Okay. Yeah. Yes. And so I, I just want to tell people, so the three young ladies who started the Black Lives Matter movement, um, Alicia Garza, she was 32 at the time. And her big thing is fighting for the rights concerning issues of health domestic workers, ending police brutality, anti-racism, of course, um, and violence against, guess who? Transgender and gender non-conforming people of color, okay? So that's, that's one of the founders of this movement that you out here putting on your poster board while you're shouting, but yet you're keeping, and you are then marginalizing a group of people who she started this movement for. Um, and then Patrice Colors, um, she was 30 years old at the time. And her fight for justice includes prison abolition, LGBTQ rights. Um, and at 16, she came out as queer to her parents. Uh, so these people, and then the third um, founder is Opal Tometi. She was 29 at the time. Um, her platform is about human rights and migrant rights. She's actually Nigerian American and racial justice worldwide. And I bring those things up, one, to educate people, to say, y'all sound like fools to me when you are out there talking about some Black Lives Matter, shouting from the rooftops, but then marginalizing um, the queer community. Check yourself, okay? Um, and that's number one, before I get off my high horse, okay? <laughs> and number two, clearly these young women realized that it's not just about one group of marginalized people. So if there is one group of marginalized people out there, you're advocating for them and being activists for them, you also can't overlook other people who are marginalized. And I, I say that really with a lot of feeling because people will often introduce me and say, I'm an, uh, an LGBTQ activist. And I hate that because, no, I'm an activist for anybody who is left out, forgotten, and ignored by this society. Those marginalized people who need somebody to speak up for them, to fight for them, to go to bed, because I know that I am comfortable with my voice being heard and everybody isn't. So just to, you know, set the, the story straight here, has set the record straight, um, I think we really need to start thinking about what we're re really fighting for. So if you're so narrowly focused that for you, the Black Lives Matter movement is only about um, a white man killing an unarmed black man, and that's your only fight, I think maybe you should sit down and learn a little bit more and truly understand what activism is and, and what it is that you're fighting for. Because when you go to vote, 
you can't just say, I only want this for these people. Now you need to say how this benefits a larger group of people, which is why your mind needs to be thinking about multiple marginalized groups. So people with different abilities, for instance, we're out there marching in the streets. There are a lot of people who physically can't do that. Mm -hmm. They can't because it's, it's too much happening. They can't march the way that we can. That doesn't mean that their fight isn't just as strong as somebody else's. Um, and so I want to ask you, how do you combat that, uh, that prejudice within the Black community against queer folk, especially in the framework of the Black Lives Matter movement? Because everybody's hot right now or has been. Mm-hmm. Um, and so how do, you, how do you deal with that? Because it pisses me off. well I turned 58 this year and I've learned to just tamper my emotions around because I want to keep living a little longer (laughs) (laughs) it will stress you out (laughs) yes yes it will um but you know there are many prejudices that we're dealing with so you mentioned that I used to be with affinity community services and I used to say that my work there was about educating Uh, black people about LGBTQ people and educating LGBTQ people about black people. Um, Mm. So, um, you know, I I hear what you're saying and I also want to recognize that there are a lot of queer folks talking about Black Lives Matter, but don't really mean Black Lives Matter. Uh, Okay. (laughs) And and haven't actually done the LGBTQ movement as a whole has not come to the Black Lives Matter movement at all, Uh, despite the fact that many of the leaders, even at the local level, are queer and trans folks. Um, But, you know, as we talk about Black folks in particular, you know, one of the things that I always had to sort of uh, have conversations around, particularly when I was at Affinity and more entrenched in this direct work, Uh, was that still a lot of Black people view LGBTQ people as other, as white, as not part of Black communities, when in the reality, um, Black LGBTQIA, Black queer and trans folks live in Black neighborhoods. So all the things that affect Black folks in Black neighborhoods affect Black queer and trans folks. So you mentioned the founders of the uh, Black Lives Matter hashtag. What a lot of people don't even know is that Bayard Rustin, the architect of the March on Washington in the 60s with Martin Luther King and many others, was an out black gay man Mm. and uh, taught Martin Luther King what it meant to be nonviolent. He was a pacifist. He grew up in the Quaker movement, had done a lot of peace demonstrations, a lot of anti-war stuff, and had a lot of knowledge and expertise around nonviolent action uh, before King even knew what that was. And King actually, um, they were friends, but King felt the pressure uh, from other Black folks to not have Bayard Rustin uh, be in the lead in a visible way. Mm -hmm. Uh, in that Mm -hmm. march and on subsequent work. Um, But they were tight. Um, So there's this history. I also know of, I don't know if you've heard of Miss Major. 
I have. Yes, yeah, Miss Major, for those in your, in your audience don't know, is a black trans woman. Um, God, how old is Miss Major at this point? 70s, maybe? Um, uh, a lot of her activism was in California, uh, has done tons of work around uh, trans uh, women in particular who were imprisoned for whatever the reason may be. And providing resources for them when they um, uh, left prison. Ms. Major talks all the time about how there were trans folks who wanted to be a part of uh, the civil rights movement and were constantly being pushed aside uh, by black, straight, sometimes not so straight uh, folks <laughs> who didn't want to be associated. Right. Um, so, you know, one of the things we've got to do as as black folks is recognize that queer and trans people have been a part of us of everyone for that matter since there have been people and to uh, relegate folks to to other to the back bench to invisible really takes away from the rich history of our survival and resilience right. in this country I'll also point to a resource here in Chicago that's actually an international resource, the Legacy Project, which mm -hmm. talks all the time about uh, queer and trans folk who are a prominent part of history, but that part of their bio uh, around their sexual orientation and or gender identity has not been spoken of. Right. And they've sort of, you know, found the evidence to say, hey, these folks were part of our community right. and they've done great things. Right. So you can do all of that. <laughs> you can right. be great yes. and be black and be queer yeah. and be trans right. Right. <laughs> and all the, all the things. And we got to not be afraid of us, you know? Yes, exactly. <laughs> right, right. Okay, all right. Well, one day I'll chill out. In the meantime... <laughs> No, keep the passion. It's I, the passion got to stay. I just my show, and I can say out. what I want to say. <laughs> I just don't want you to burn out. That's all. Right, right. All right, all right. I'll stay mindful. Self care with an yes. affirming place. Okay. Yes, that's okay. right. That's right. So, okay, let me see. And and I'll pick up on something else you talked about, um, and that's really recognizing the intersectionality of all of these movements. Um, so, you know, speaking of someone who is uh, queer and led one of the uh, local movement for Black Lives organizations and nationally, Charlene Crothers, um, mm -hmm. who was the national co-director for um, Black, Black BYP 100, um, and wrote a book a couple years ago around her activism as a... Um, sort of a toolkit and lessons for other activists, especially young activists. And then one of the question, questions she in, instructs people to ask is, who are your people? So while it is true that with the different games that we fight for with our little pockets, it's okay to define your pocket as long as you are not uh, ruling out the um, uh, other people's ability to thrive, other marginalized groups mm -hmm. in particular. Um, so, for example, I, I, I am not ashamed to say I do a lot of work for Black 
LGBTQIA people. Mm-hmm. It doesn't mean that I won't, don't want others to thrive. I absolutely do. Um, even with my work with Pride Action Tank, our lens is LGBTQIA. That does not mean that our work doesn't have an impact on other folks. Right. But we are naming who we're working for. And right. the hope is that the, the gains that we are able to make uh, benefit others. Right. So I would never say, oh, no, we're not, we don't want them to benefit. Um, right, right, right. Unless it's some of the people who are going to be on TV later tonight. Um, <laughs> And I say that as an individual, not as a leader of a 501c3. <laughs> this plan is running on the bottom of the screen. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> we got you. So what are some things that you feel that um, as a community, we, and I, when I say we, I'm not even sure as I say that, if I mean like, um, everybody in the black community, whether they're queer or not or whatever, but we can do to kind of bridge this gap of that divide Mm -hmm. and and to help educate people about how black queer lives matter. Like what are some simple things that you think we can do? Um, One thing that always comes to mind for me is that black queer people have got to, to stop supporting institutions that don't support them. Uh, you mentioned attending an affirming church. Mm-hmm. Um, there are many black, queer, and trans folks who every Sunday are going to churches that are not affirming. Right. And, uh, you know, maybe the history of their family, maybe they just really feel like these are, I don't know. <laughs> that's, that's, that's where, that is the only place they can be saved in the sense of, you know, whatever saved means for them mm-hmm. and are constantly being berated or ignored. Um, right. You know, as you know, I tell stories and co-host outspoken. And, you know, one of the uh, things I talk about in one of my stories is that I did not grow, grow up in a church that um, castigated um, Black queer people. They just didn't talk about them at all. And uh, (laughs) I don't know if that was better. Right. (laughs) I'm here. (laughs) So that has definitely got to happen. Uh, One of the other things that I see on this end is, you know, folks putting their kids out because they're queer and trans. Right, right. That is not love. And I understand that folks don't always know what to do, how to handle this. There's an organization called PFLAG mm-hmm. um, that um, doesn't have nearly the number of Black folks that it should have in it, uh, but it is a great resource. And I encourage Black parents who are trying to figure this out, and, and that includes foster parents and guardians and all of those, to um, check into those resources, sometimes just having somebody to talk to right? Um, help alleviate that. But then, you know, there's also knowing our history and, you know, folks are busy, right. there's a lot to know. Uh, it's, not, it, it's not an accident that most folks don't know about the contributions of mm-hmm. people who happen to be queer and trans right? Uh, in, in the history and in movements and all of that. Uh, sometimes we just got to work at getting the knowledge. Um, and then, you know, just be open. Stop hating people. <laughs> right. I know. <laughs> True. Stop hating me. <laughs> <laughs> 
hating people. <laughs> you know what's interesting? So I'm a preacher's kid, but only because my daddy decided when he retired to then be a pastor. And I, I didn't quite understand that. I was like, mm-hmm. aren't you too old to do that? <laughs> and then, I, I didn't understand that at all. So I talked to his pastor and was like, isn't my daddy too old? Because <laughs> he was younger than my dad. And he was like, no. He was like, well, Jesus was preaching for only three years. If we got three years out of your daddy, we'll be good, won't we? And I was like, okay, all right. <laughs> but now my dad is a pastor of a Lutheran church that is so far against homosexuality anything queer and so what's interesting is I will show up there because my dad will you know preach or something and I I sit there thinking I dare you to kick me out right now (laughs) and and it has not happened yet but I'm willing to bet if there were some other more docile person who was sitting there and was out with their partner that mm-hmm. the pastor would probably have a conversation with them after. Mm-hmm. Whereas I, even if I brought somebody that they assumed I was dating, I, yeah. I, I doubt it, but I doubt it because I'm black and because yeah. I'm a black woman and uh-huh. because there's that whole tension of race. Mm-hmm. I don't oh, yeah. think it would be, I, I think that would be the reason. I don't even think it would be the reason because like my dad is the assistant pastor. I think it would literally be, Okay, now her dad, maybe I can talk to you know a certain way because he's cool, but she's not. She's a little more vocal. She might stand up in the church and say, "Hold on now," <laughs> which is right. So, so I often sit there and I feel bad because I'm like, I feel like I'm daring somebody in that church to say something to me. Yeah, I guess. Yeah. I, and that's I, when I'm I, like, you know what? Maybe I don't need to go so often. Yeah, I, I get where you're coming from. Uh, <laughs> I'm, uh, I'm at a point in my life, if I got to go through all those feelings, I'm not going to be there. <laughs> but you know, I'm trying to support my dad and teach my I son. Get that. That. I totally so get that. So many different types of faiths and that sort yeah. of thing. So I'm thinking I'm being the bigger person, but yeah, yeah. Yeah. Right. So it's interesting, these journeys we're on here. Oh, yeah. yeah, That's exactly it. We are on journeys. And I wish more people would recognize that that's what's happening. So you don't have to be absolute in your your thinking. Allow yourself to evolve. Exactly. Obama said. Yes. Yes. We all need to evolve. Yeah. Yeah. This has been a delightful conversation. There's so much more I can dig into, but then it will go on forever. Oh, for sure. We can talk for hours. <laughs> um, now, I always like to leave with some tidbits. So you gave us those four things that we can all do um, to kind of bridge this gap um, and become educated, informed, and advocates for each other. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, some other resources for like PFLAG and other places. You dropped a lot of knowledge. So I'll put that in um, the Facebook post afterwards. I appreciate that. Now, is there anything else that you just want to get out or off the top of your um, brain or anything that you would like to share? Um, yeah, many things, but I'll, I'll try to keep it concise. <laughs> no One, please vote, y'all. Yes. Oh, my gosh. Vote. Not mess this yeah. up. Please, please vote. Also, please fill out your census forms. Um, I know there's a lot going on right now. uh, And those kinds of things seem just so abstract that they don't matter, but they matter so much. And we're going to 
we're going to move past this moment and you don't want uh the other side of this to look worse than this side so i well i encourage you to to do those two things and if if you identify as, as queer trans and live on the south side we've got a survey out would love you for you to take it at uh aidschicago.org slash southside lgbtq okay wait wait let's say that slowly aidschicago.org org slash southside lgbtq awesome yeah so okay. we're doing a southside needs assessment of the lgbtqia awesome. plus community <laughs> awesome that is a whole nother show talking about getting out and voting Yes. Now, yes. You yes. want to see my blood boil? Oh, black people. Oh, oh. Black people telling me they don't need to vote because it oh, won't matter. Well, no. really. That we've been through this. Remember that. And right. It's bad. It is really right. bad. I don't. There is no comparison between these two candidates. None. <laughs> you may not be thrilled. Right. But yeah. That, right. But there I is mean, no comparison. Yes. But before I go on a whole nother 30 minutes, exactly. <laughs> so vote. If you're not sure, if you are registered to vote, you can go online and find that out. Um, I will put that in the comment section so you will know where to go to find out if you're registered. If you don't know where your polling place is, um, I'll put that down where you can find out where your polling place is. I suggest people do early voting. I don't trust that. Yeah. Um, early, early. Ooh, I don't even trust that the president will let the mail go through. So I am not doing mail in, but of course some people are, some people need to, um, but and yeah. Some people are dropping them off at right. designated places too. Right, um, exactly. So do that and take ballots of other folks who can't get out. Exactly, so everybody, there's really no excuse. If you can go to the store and buy a candy bar, if you can go online and pay for some other service, like these are things that you need uh, we need the resources that come along with uh, these votes, okay? So I know people don't realize that there's a direct correlation. You're like, well, I don't need to vote. It doesn't affect me day to day. We're going to have a whole nother show on how it does. Okay, we're going to do a PowerPoint. We're going to draw connections and everything. And then you're going to want to vote. All right. <laughs> Please. Now. <laughs> Please. <laughs> Thank you so much, Kim. This has been delightful. I really appreciate you coming on. I know you are very busy. Um, for those of you who tuned in late, this is Kim Hunt. She dropped so much knowledge on us. Um, she does great, great work with the Black LGBTQIA community. And so you need to rewind and sh see this thing over again if you just came <laughs> on. But this was our show, Monday Musings with RC. And we were discussing how Black queer lives matter. Thank you all for viewing and have a great day. Thanks again for listening. This episode has been brought to you by Fit Life Give, a Black-owned, queer, and trans-friendly luxury mobile spa. Fit Life Give specializes in couples and individual massage, from corporate events to spa and pamper parties all across the Chicagoland area. Massage is a form of fitness, and you need to have a fit-filled life in order to give to others. So book Fit Life Give for your next event or personal service. That's fitlifegive.biz.